Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Before we get going on this week's episode of Culture Bites, we've been getting a lot of questions about our annual conference this year, Corinne. Yeah, we have a lot of people been wondering whether we're going to have a conference at all because our conferences are usually physical, but we're pretty excited. We're going bigger and better and we're actually holding an Asia-Pacific virtual conference event. So it's an extravaganza. So it's not just Australia, it's not just New Zealand, it's Asia-Pacific. It's going to be held over three mornings or three days from the 25th of August to the 27th. A slightly different format this time, Corinne. Yeah, we're... They're not full days, so they are story-based, shorter days. So we're going to have two client stories each morning, and the client story is going to be a bit different. The clients are still going to share their culture and leadership story, but then we're going to interview them, Dom, much as we would in a podcast Mm -hmm. where we can talk to them about the the behind-the-scenes story, so the story behind the story. Then there'll be a break, and then there'll be a – we're having a CEO panel on one of the days and then we're going to have day two and day three will be interactive workshops of 90 minutes. So they're quite short days but they're filled with a diverse range of stories from our clients from across all different sectors and industries from New Zealand, from Australia, from Hong Kong. We've even potentially got some others coming from the Pacific. So this is a complimentary event. So if it sounds like you... You know, we'd love to see you there. Invite your colleagues, invite your friends, more the merrier in a virtual setting. If you want to sign up, we've got in the description of this podcast will be a link to the website where you'll be able to sign up. So check it out. We'd love to see you there. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia. And I'm joined on the show this week by our general manager, DB, or David Byram. Hey, DB. Hi, Dominic. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, doing really well, DB. Hey, I brought you in because I've, I had a question the other day from someone, which was around, you know, how do you measure the success of a culture change or leadership development program? You know, and I think this question was really coming from, you know, how do I prove its value you know, like to the boss or internally or something like that? So what could you use as measures to show, you know, has it been successful? Has it made a difference? Yeah, great question. What was your answer to the person who asked you? I told them I'd ask you. <laughs> Thanks, Dom. So, uh, I, so won't, I just uh, set you up for the bus ride on time. I won't try that playback again. It's a really, really good question. And I think I'm going to attack it from a couple of multiple different levels. Let's start with behavioral change. Mm. Because what we're working on for leadership development Mm. or a cultural change program Mm. is some level of behavioral change. Yep. So we're looking to actually enhance or sustain more constructive behaviors. Mm. Because what we do know around the world is if I ask people to describe their best ever leader or the greatest ever boss or the greatest ever organization or workplace or team or define a champion team, it'd be constructive. So I'm going to take it as almost a matter of fact that achievement, setting a plan, problem solving, involving others in those problem solving, teaching, educating, being friendly, cooperative, being you, creative, is what people aspire. Yep. 
and it's what people say will get the best out of them, the organization, team, so yeah, on. Yeah. So, so when we started on a culture journey or a culture transformation mm. or a leadership program to develop leaders, we're really looking at that those behavioral changes. So how do we mm. how do we inspire and create more of those behaviors? Yeah. So the best thing about what we do, and those who know the LSI, the OCI, the GSI, mm. all the customer service styles inventory, all the impact diagnostics, they are all measure remeasure diagnostics. Right. They are designed to measure and measure again and then measure again and check your progress. Yeah. So the first measure is movement in those behaviors. Mm. So we're about behavioral change. Has the circumplex view of my thinking, behavior, our expected behaviors from our culture mm. or our team behaviors in our GSI, have they actually moved? Mm. Unlike at an individual level, unlike preference diagnostics that are pretty fixed. Should be the same, yeah. Yeah. What we're doing will move and change. So you can s- substantially get a measure mm. of movement. DB, if I'm a, say I'm in the HR team and we're putting this leadership development program together, now people's LSI is confidential to them. So how can I, you know, show that, demonstrate that? Group data. To the boss. Yep. Yeah, group data. So I'd be looking at, at a cohort going through. Mm. Uh, let's look at the cohort. Let's run a group report for that cohort going through. And we're looking at a movement in that cohort over time. Mm. So one of the things I'd say is you need to measure early mm. before you start any of the development activities or coaching activities. And then you need to measure post the program 12 to 18 months later okay. to see. And that gives you a measure of, because the program is geared about changing behaviors, have the behaviors changed? Uh-huh. True. We've got a measure. Yep. The second thing, and it's incumbent in our diagnostics, is we measure outcomes, which are core. So at our LSI 1, we have our satisfaction items, uh-huh. which measure our satisfaction at work and home. Yep. Around leisure, health relationship with peers, relationship with the organization, et cetera. Yeah. We can also see changes in those satisfaction items at both an individual level for the individual doing the development, but also at a group level for the cohort. Mm -hmm. So has this cohort collectively become more satisfied both at work and home? Their accomplishments at work, yep. Yep. So we can measure that. Yep. And with our analytics function, we can actually start getting some deep details on that, that movement. And how's that movement tracking relative to the norm, et cetera? Because we know what average and the median and the norm looks like. At an LSI 2 level and LSI 1, we also have the summary perception items, which are measuring your task effectiveness, your people effectiveness, your stress, your promotability, Mm -hmm. openness to feedback, will you change with the feedback, et cetera, time effectiveness. So we can measure that as well. So not only do we have the satisfaction items from LSI 1, we have the summary perception items from LSI 1 and 2, mm. which are also outcomes and measures mm. at an individual level, mm. which are good checks. And running group report on that gives you a good handle, are people becoming more effective? Mm. And our use of our language is effective because we know the constructive styles yield more effective outcomes. Mm-hmm. At an organizational level, we have outcomes as well, and we measure them, some in the OCI, but predominantly in the OEI the organizational effectiveness inventory. And we're measuring outcomes at individual level, motivation, satisfaction, intention to stay, role clarity, mm-hmm. individual negative outcomes, job security, role, role conflict, conflict. Mm-hmm. and the last one, stress. 
Stress. <laughs> Sorry, Dom. Put me on the spot. Uh, stress. And then we've got the team outcomes. How well the teams work within teams. So inter-unit coordination across teams and that department level quality. And then we have organizational outcomes, external adaptability and organizational level quality. So we can measure movement in those outcomes at an organizational level, but also at a unit level with subgroup reports. So when you talk about cultural change or leadership change program, we can measure it embodied in the diagnostics, mm. which is really cool. But so that's at a one level. Mm. I'd actually expand that now and let's look at a slightly different level yep. as well. So yep. at an individual level, I'm doing training. We talked about behaviors, but I'm also doing development to build some knowledge and capability. So I'm actually trying to broaden the, the skill set mm-hmm. of the individuals, impart some knowledge, increase their capability so they can deliver new and different outcomes. So now a measure is the application of that new knowledge and capability. Mm-hmm. So what projects do I give them that allows individuals to use the knowledge and capability and the enhanced behaviors we've been working on? Mm-hmm. So how do I structure projects, teams, that they can work on those things and then measure the success of that? So I was going to say, how do you measure the success of that? Like, How do you know they did it better or not? Good question. Yeah. You've probably done a gap analysis and you know they did couldn't do it uh-huh. before you started doing it. Yeah, okay. So they're now doing a more complex project or they're doing a project across greater borders or boundaries or- Yeah, that goes, uh, yep. Or you've asked them to design a new product using some design thinking skills. Mm-hmm. I would say the ability to do that skill is going to be resonant with the behaviors they exhibit. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have the right behavior mindset. Mm. At an organizational level, we can measure outcomes, and this is my preference, right? So I, I get quite excited when we start measuring outcomes at the employee value level, the customer value, or the shareholder value level. Uh. So at the employee value level, if we're doing some culture work, what's my retention doing? What's my absenteeism doing? What's my promotability of employees doing? Uh. Because if I'm building a culture that's more constructive, I'm going to get better retention levels. I'll be promoting people. They'll be taking more challenging assignments. There'll be reduced absenteeism. There'll be reduced injuries. So safety measures will be improving at a customer service level. Reporting rates can go up though. Yeah. But anyway, let's not get into that. Yeah. So we point out more, but we we have less actual injuries. And that's good. If I'm pointing out more, that's awesome. And I think that should be recognized. And your culture would recognize that's what we want. Yep. Customers would be more satisfied. Customers will report that people are more responsive to our needs. And customers will be more loyal and more of an advocate for you. So if you really have a constructive culture, do your customers speak on your behalf? Mm. Do that. And finally, there'll be a shareholder return. And we know that organizations that sustain and, and operate inherently more constructively will have a larger market share, be more profitable in the long term, and yield better returns for their shareholders. So, yeah, what I hear is take the business metrics that matter to the business and start, you know, putting them kind of side by side, right? So how do they relate to one another? Yeah. And jared has been on a few times and he's a good case study and they spoke at our conference three years ago, I think, Shape Was it that long ago, was it? Shape spoke. Might be two years ago. And they actually did that. They aligned their culture to their balanced scorecard. And you could see the areas that were more constructive had a higher balance scorecard mm. performance. 
And so that was episode 59 where we talked about how they did that, Jared, with the shape group. That's um, awesome, Dom. Episode 59, you really- There you go. You can look it up. Yeah. What about DB? Because, uh, you know, a, a pushback I hear is, or a challenge people can come into is saying, hey, we can look at the culture metrics and we're building this more constructive culture. And yes, the business metrics are going up, but there can be a lot of naysayers who say, you know, the two aren't necessarily related. We just made some good decisions or the market, the market's just good right now. You know, the market's up and therefore everything's up. So it's nothing to do with that. Well, how would you answer that question? How would you tackle that? Yeah, I like using internal data, client data, and then I, I break it down into unit level. And I often say, we get a couple of times saying, we're not quite sure if it's going to culture, it's in our organization. Mm. So we break it down and say, well, give me a, give me a couple of your units that are your best performing units mm. based on your metrics. Tell me, give me some units that are less than desirable. Don't tell us who they are. Or, and we'll just run culture surveys in those organizations. And we'll look at the behaviors in the organizations, in those units, and we'll compare it back to your business metrics and see what it says. Mm. And what it all shows, and it shows that even in your organization, you'll have variance from constructive through to defensive. Yep. And that variance is causing you challenges. The naysayers will come back and go, yes, but that unit's in XYZ. And I said, well, give me another unit it's in ABC. Mm. And the data will always, and trust the data. The bigger pushback is, why are you critiquing the data? And it probably says something about either the individual or the culture of the organization. Mm. And it's not being defensive about the data. And try not to defend the data is what I'd say. Mm. Be open to the challenge. But you've got enough data, trust the data. Mm. The data is always going to be right. And that's a credit to the researchers who developed what mm. we do. Mm. How much better are you because you're constructive? You've capitalized the opportunity. Or if the market's up and you're up, how much further could you be up mm. if you were, were constructive, if you're defensive? Mm. So it's all scalable, right? It's all relative. Yeah. So you've got to fit it in the context, I yeah. guess. And then it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is all relative. And look at the data sets. Time and time again, individuals and leaders who operate constructively and create constructive organizations will yield better long-term sustainable performance. It's not to say that someone could come out with a great idea and be very aggressive and perform today, yep. but they probably won't perform tomorrow. Mm. So it's about the sustainability. It is about the sustainability. And is that why you'd kind of visit it in a year's time and a, you know, whatever cycle? It's not, it's not in a week's time and a month's time kind of thing? Yeah. Culture, I would say two years. Yearly, okay. Two years for sure. Leadership, 12 months to 18 months. It depends how big the organization is. A smaller organization, every 12 months. Mm. But big organizations, every two years. But what I would be saying is... Between those culture measures, be tracking the projects you're working on, the thing, activities you're working on. Uh. So for those that have done the, our organizational effectiveness imagery, the OEI, I'd be tracking pulse data. I'd be pulsing those causal factor measures, which we talked about in previous podcasts, uh. namely be leadership or communication, yep. goal, Job design, goal yep. setting, et cetera. Yep. I'd be pulsing those factors every three to six months. So I'd get seven or four measures be between my the culture measure. measures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm checking all the time. Is there something similar people could do to check in with leaders' development? So if that's on the culture level, you know, what could they do 
to see that their leaders are kind of on the right track in between LSIs, perhaps? It's a really good question. You could check your thinking more regularly. Mm-hmm. So you could check your individual thinking. I wouldn't do it every week, but six months. Yep. And then I would check progress on specific projects and activities and potentially do some teamwork, right? So when the team comes together and they're working on a particular problem or a decision, do a GSI. Mm. And you can do a GSI every time the team works. Mm. I probably suggest I wouldn't, but you do a GSI every three months. Yeah, so that's the group styles inventory. That's the group styles inventory. Yeah. What about DB? I was just thinking, you know, something I often encourage with my clients when they get their LSI feedback is to share it, right? So, you know, it's up to them. It's their report. But share what are their insights, actions, and what support do they need from their team, from their leader. So it could also be checking in with their team, their leader, for feedback on, you know, I said I was going to work on X, Y, Z, whatever that is. You know, how am I tracking, in your opinion, as we go? You know, so getting that feedback loop that you should be having that discussion with your leader anyway, but just making sure you do and cover what you're actually working on. Yeah, fully supportive of that approach. If you verbalize it and share it and say, I'm working on this and I need your help to help me, there's a greater probability that you'll work on it. I'm a big believer in sharing, both with your manager and your team mm. in full group. So you should, team should take half, if it whole, your whole team's doing LSI, take half a day out after you've done your, your awareness session, your action planning, you've done a reflection with your manager, and then sit down with the team and all share what you're working on, how you can help each other. That's a great technique. You can also measure that mm. because did you do it or not? Mm, true. Yeah. Well, DB, I'm going to end on that note where you're agreeing with me and saying what a brilliant idea that was uh, after dropping the ball earlier on the uh, stress item and the uh, report. I'll get out while the going's good. <laughs> Thanks for your uh, input on that, though. It's a pretty common question, so I hope that helps people out there who are looking for, you know, how can you you track the success of the programs you're implementing? You know, well, there's lots of inbuilt measures inside the surveys themselves. Track those at an individual group, organizational level, and then link it to the outcomes. Link it to the stuff that matters for the business, right? Because at the end of the day, that's why we're doing a lot of this stuff is to make a difference for the organization. So let's uh, build those correlations together. Yeah, I think, Dom, that's an awesome summary. The only thing I'd add to that is know why you're doing it at the start. And, it, and you've got to clear why. You can always revisit back to the why we're doing it. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Thanks Stevie. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Culture Bites. Just a reminder, we've got our annual conference coming up for 2020. It's on the 25th to 27th of August. There's a link in the description of this episode. We hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.